Hi, everyone, and welcome to Spill It, the Gwinnett County Public Library's podcast all about YA literature, where two of us love YA and one does not. I'm Catherine, Teen Services Librarian, and I love YA. I'm Patty, Youth Services Manager, and I also love YA. And I'm Sarah, Youth Services Specialist, and I do not. Sorry, everybody who loves YA. We'll get you there eventually. (laughs) (laughs) I'm up for for the challenge. We'll see. (laughs) So far, I think we've been unsuccessful, but we're trying. I don't know. She keeps picking books. Well, that's um, true. I have opinions about them. We'll get there. All right. Well, let's talk about what we're reading right now. I'm reading Caraval. <laughs> I expected that reaction, Patty, which is book one of the Caraval series by Stephanie Garber. You all know why I'm reading it if you listen to episode eight of our podcast, but I'm really enjoying this one. Stephanie Garber is fantastic at world building. You really feel immersed into the story with everything she writes. It's just so f- fantastical and you like really want to be in there. Like I want to see all these things in real life. Okay. I, I do actually want to read that because I enjoyed Once Upon a Broken Heart so much. I, I want to read more of her stuff. Yeah. What are you reading, Sarah? I am reading The Murder Game by Carrie Doyle, and it is a mystery set at a boarding school. Ooh. Yeah. No parents. No parents around. I mean, they may be alive. He hasn't really, the protagonist hasn't really talked about his parents that I can remember, but I'm just early on into it. But he's at boarding school. He and his roommate sneak out of their dorm, meet two girls, and sneak off to the woods to their secret meetup. And while they're there, a crime happens. And now I believe they're going to have to try to figure out why. Also, our main protagonist, Lucas, has a past where he was, I think, kidnapped. Because they keep calling him the kidnapped kid. (laughs) (laughs) He hasn't gotten I mean, into that, but that is a clue. I would assume that that is what <laughs> happened to him. Either that or he kidnapped somebody else. Yeah, but then I doubt he'd be at school just hanging with his buddies. Everybody knows about it. Playing and whatnot. Is there a murder? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. I figured. There's a murder, since there's a game about it somehow. Maybe every, a murder game. Every boarding school mystery has a murder. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had friends who went to boarding school, because there was a boarding school in my town, and... None of them ever solved a mystery. Lee, Drew, I'm calling you out. Why Why haven't you solved a murder mystery? Yeah, it seems like they got a raw end of that deal somehow. They need a tuition refund. No murders, no mysteries. Right? No wizardry. What's up? What? That's the best part of going to boarding school. I know. <laughs> I have heard of none of that coming out of that school, so it's very disappointing. What are you reading, Patty? I am reading an adult book right now, Broken in the Best Possible Way by Jenny Lawson. And she is a woman who writes online as the bloggess. And that's how I found her stuff originally, her blog, many, many, many years ago. She has an absolutely hysterical story about buying a giant tin rooster that I it, I died when I read it. And... Um, She's just very, very funny, and she is very um, relatable. She writes about her just her regular life. She has a lot of 
anxiety and some mental conditions that she talks about very openly. And she grew up in a very, very odd family in Texas, uh, about as Texas as you can get. Her father taxidermied lots of things. And um, she has a story about how she once ended up inside a deer carcass. <laughs> it was very scarring to her. And she she's a very interesting woman and she has a great sense of humor and I really really enjoy reading her stuff and she's just she just makes me laugh all right now let's get into our topic of the day last episode Sarah chose so I'm going to turn it over to her now and then we'll do everybody's favorite and talk about the cover all right so you may recall that I chose uh, anatomy by Dana Schwartz and I chose it in part because it has a female protagonist in Scotland in the early 19th century, and she wants to be a doctor. And because it's Women's History Month in March, I thought this might be a good topic for us to kind of explore a little bit. Also, because the cover looks beautiful, which we'll get into a little bit later. But in this book, Hazel, our protagonist, like I said, wants to be a doctor, but the society she lives in does not allow for that because she's a woman and also because she's from society and her role in life is basically to get married and have children. Here's the synopsis. A gothic tale full of mystery and romance. Hazel Sinet is a lady who wants to be a surgeon more than she wants to marry. Jack Kerr is a resurrection man who's just trying to survive in a city where it's too easy to die. When the two of them have a chance encounter outside the Royal Edinburgh Anatomist Society, Hazel thinks nothing of it at first. But after she gets kicked out of renowned surgeon Dr. Beecham's lectures for being the wrong gender, she realizes that her new acquaintance might be more helpful than she first thought. Because Hazel has made a deal with Dr. Beecham, if she can pass the medical examination on her own, he will allow her to continue her medical career. Without official lessons, though, Hazel will need more than just her books. She'll need corpses to study. Luckily, she's made the acquaintance of someone who digs them up for a living. But Jack has his own problems. Strange men have been seen skulking around cemeteries, his friends are disappearing off the streets, and the dreaded Roman fever, which wiped out thousands a few years ago, is back with a vengeance. Nobody important cares. Until Hazel. Now Hazel and Jack must work together to uncover the secrets buried not just in unmarked graves, but in the very heart of Edinburgh society. Cover doc. <laughs> so let's talk about the cover of this book, which I think is one of its biggest assets. It's definitely a selling point. Do you want to describe it for us? Oh, so I think it's beautiful. It's got who I assume is supposed to be Hazel on the cover sitting with her dress puddled around her. It's arranged into the shape of an anatomical heart. The only weird thing I find about it is this girl has red hair, and I do not remember Hazel being described as having red hair. I think she has brown hair. I don't remember, but I think it goes with the aesthetic look of but the it, cover. But it definitely does. I didn't actually realize because I read this on my Kindle app and through audiobook, I had never actually seen the cover up close and I had just sort of glanced at it and did not realize that it wasn't just a heart. I didn't realize it was a girl. I thought it was just a, a cool looking anatomical heart. It's Aaron, a very clever design. Erin, one of our other coworkers had this same realization when I picked up the book the other day. I also love the font on it. It's got a very gothic-y looking font. 
Yes, it says anatomy, a love oh. story. Yes. I actually said, oh, there's a girl. The first time I realized <laughs> it by myself, alone, in my living room, to no one. <laughs> so I'll tell you what I thought of this book. I I enjoyed it. There were parts that I didn't enjoy. Um, it's not about an orphan. However, if we're categorizing people, I would call her what I deem a practical orphan. Orphan light? Yes, because even though she does have two living parents, her father is out of the country indefinitely, and her mother is very much um, absorbed in the little brother and her own grief over losing um, Hazel's other older brother. So she's pretty much hands-off when it comes to Hazel. I actually have this in my notes as a reason why Sarah might not like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because even though she's not a full orphan, she is a practical orphan, which allows her to get up to some tr- some trouble uh, later yeah, for she sure. She would never have been allowed to do what she never does in this book. If, if her mom was actually involved in her life or if her dad was around. So for me, this one kind of tried to do too much, I feel like. Like, it's historical, sort of trying to be a mystery and has a fantastical element to it, too. I think the historical part was done pretty well, but the others just fell a little short for me. Like, the scene at the beginning with Davy and Monroe made it seem like there was a fantasy element, but then you don't get any more of that, I feel like, until you're about two-thirds of the way through the book. It's the same with the mystery. The mystery doesn't really pick up towards the end, either. So you're reading like two-thirds of a book and you really have no idea what's going on other than she's studying to be a doctor. And, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but you'd never find out what happens to Davy, ever. Oh, I mean, I think you kind of I mean, you can make assumptions, but he is never mentioned again. (laughs) Davy is unimportant. Clearly. But, I mean, he's in the very first opening scene, so I was just like, okay. It's the prologue, so it's not important. I guess. I really loved this book. Right up until the end. Yes, I will warn people, we're not going to spoil it, but the end is dissatisfying, let's and just say. I was I was reading along, and I was enjoying it, and I even kind of, without spoiling it, there are definitely hints about some of the characters, um, Dr. Beecham being one of them. And I had a pretty good idea of what was going on. I wasn't yeah. quite right. I was expecting something else, and it wasn't quite what I was expecting. But we get to the big reveal, and I was like, what? Okay. And even that, even that would have been enough. I was like, okay, all right. That's a little weird, a little fantastical. I see we've, we've, taken, a, we've taken a leap into the, into the fantasy world. I can roll with that. I can roll with that. And then it kept going and it had the most unsatisfying ending I think I have read in a long time. Well, guess what? There's going to be a book too. You knew it. Oh, wait, you really? Knew it. Is there? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I then listened I don't... to an interview between the narrator and the author because I listened to it. There's going to be a book too. Oh. So okay. some of your questions will be answered. Yeah. Because I have... It felt like a very b- weird and kind of abrupt ending. It's like, uh, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I guess that's the end of the book. <laughs> it doesn't appear to be any more. Yeah. 
because even the narrator was like, I feel like with the way this ending left off, there's more to this story. See, I was yeah. complaining about this to my roommate last night because I was, she came home and I was, I was like, I am grumpy and I need to tell you why. And so I told her like the whole basic plot of this book <laughs> and explained the end and why I was upset. And she just looked at me and she's like, Patty, that's what fan fiction's for. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to go look it up right now because I need a more satisfying ending to the story. Well, now you can tell her there's going to be a book too. Of course there is. I really thought this was a standalone. I did too until I was listening to the huh. to the interview because at the end I was like, what? <laughs> I did too because you know I would not have chosen part of a series. No, you would not have. Um, But beyond the ending... I, I really enjoyed this book. I really liked Hazel as a character. I really liked Jack as a character. I thought that their relationship together was charming and delightful. And I really, um, a little bit bonkers, uh, you know, I, they make out in a grave site. Sure. Like you do. Uh, yeah, I also had problems with that scene. I was like. like in a grave. Yeah. In a grave. Yeah, like not, not just in a graveyard. <laughs> Like, they're digging up a grave. At night. At night. And they've just looked upon a pretty horrific corpse, and then the next thing you know, they're making out. It is a little like... his grave. (laughs) I mean, okay, to be clear, the corpse is no longer in the grave. The corpse is up above on the ground because they've pulled him out. So, like, it's not like three people are in there. it's not exactly the most romantic of settings. It is not. I had a moment of like, what is that? Okay, we'll just go with this. Because if it were me, I think I'd be throwing up at that point. (laughs) There were a lot of places I would have been throwing up. Yeah, I was going to say, that's in my notes too. I did not like all the gore. I mean, it's a book about anatomy. I expected it to a degree. But yeah, some of the descriptions were a little... Yeah, it's a little graphic in the detail, especially of like the medical procedures and things like that. So... um. I don't mind that too much. I know you guys are a little bit more squeamish about that stuff. I would definitely not suggest that you read this over your lunch break. No. no. Well, and that was the point I had told Sarah when I was reading it. I was like, I made the mistake of listening to this while I was eating. Yeah. Not what you want to do. Me too. Not what you want to do. And I think perhaps, because I listened to the audiobook probably about 80% of it. And then I just wanted, I like, I got to the point where I was like, I just need to know what happens and started reading on my Kindle instead because I can read faster than I can listen. Well, you missed the great interview with the author at the end of the audio. I know. Now I would have known. I'll go back and listen to that now. Um, I do want to give a shout out. Who is the, the reader of the audiobook is excellent. Yeah. You get to know more about her in the interview too. Cause it's kind of like a joint interview. They're interviewing each other, but she is Scottish Okay, I thought she might be. I thought she did a really great job. She had a, she had one of those voices that I could just listen to forever. And even some of the stuff that's a, a little graphic, because I was a little worried listening to a book that I knew was about dissecting corpses. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm reading that, I can kind of skim, and, and I do. But, like, when you're listening, you, you kind of have to listen. And so I was a little bit nervous about that. But she... I liked her voice enough that it didn't bother me that much. Uh, I did learn very quickly not to eat lunch. Right. Yep. But, I mean, it is kind of accurate because surgery at the time was a bit like butchery. Yeah, I do. Yeah, go ahead. 
I did a little um, digging and found out, yeah, Edinburgh was the leading center in Europe of anatomical study in this time period. Mm -hmm. And there was a huge demand for cadavers for them to do their um, experiments and dissections on or whatever. And because of that, there came about the rise of resurrection men like Jack, who really are grave robbers. But technically... They don't rob graves. They just steal corpses because if you're to steal just the body, it's a misdemeanor. But if you take their clothes or belongings, they that becomes a felony. So not only are they pulling these corpses out of graves, they're then stripping them. Yep. I actually got really fascinated by resurrection men and, and all of that idea, like the whole early medical study a couple of years ago and I did kind of a deep dive down a rabbit hole sort of thing and in a couple of podcasts I listened to have covered resurrection men because there there's the famous resurrection men whose name Birkin Hare Birkin Hare thank you there's been a movie about them they were interesting because they went that extra mile rather than bother to dig them up they just killed people <laughs> yes Hare owned a lodging house one of his lodgers passed away. He called his buddy Burke and was like, what do I do? And they're like, we'll just sell her. And then they decided, no, that was lucrative. And that, so they killed 16 people yep. from the lodging house and sold their corpses. You should look it up. It, there's made, they've made some movies. There's podcasts. There's books about them. It's a really interesting story. Yeah, but karma got caught oh. up with Burke. Because his skeleton is actually on display at the Anatomical Museum of Edinburgh <laughs> Medical School. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I really, I liked, I liked the Resurrection Men. I liked that that was in there. I had read, um, earlier this year, I read The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy by Mackenzie Lee, which is also set around the same time period. It is also about a girl who wants to be a surgeon and the problems that she runs into, and and it's slightly more fantastical and goes in a completely different direction. There's pirates, and she ends up, and sea monsters, and crazy, but it starts in Edinburgh, and she is, again, trying to get into this world of male doctors, and there were just many similarities in these two characters, too. I, I feel like should they ever meet, they would probably get along. I had one other thing to say about the surgery. I was just going to say that I learned this in the interview too. The tooth scene with Hazel's uncle, that was like uh, a real medical practice at the time. That oh, was yeah. horrific is too. what gave the author the idea of what if there was a doctor out there Frankensteining himself. Oh, mm. interesting. Yeah. So what did you all think of the romance aspect of this book since it is called Anatomy, a Love Story? Well, I figured there'd have to be a romance I was hoping it wasn't going to be between Hazel and her cousin the whole time. I mean, I know that was a common practice, but I was really hoping that wasn't it because it did not sound very romantic. No, and I didn't like her cousin, but I actually kind of did not expect her. I didn't expect to hate her cousin quite as much. There's a real heel turn there, and I, I do like, not yeah, like it. I didn't hate him quite as much as I did at the end. Yeah, oh, he, yeah. he started off much more likable I think and grew ish but then he was also I, using that other girl at the theater or whatever to kind of I feel like make her or the mom jealous basically yeah I'm not sure what that was about I really thought that that plot point was going to develop yeah and it, it didn't. didn't I will say I think 
he was very much product of his time. He was a, a society gentleman, and he was actually not as bad because, like, he he never, like, I never thought he thought Hazel was actually going to be a doctor, but he didn't really make fun of her for her desires, and, like, yeah. they were always going to be married, and he just kind of put up with it, and, like, he was interested in clothes and society and I mean, for his society, yeah, for his society, though, he was right. Like, she wasn't going to get to do any of that stuff, and why would she try, you know? It's just by today's perspective, we think of him as being a bigger jerk. I really liked Jack, though. I love And I really liked Jack's name because the more I read and once I find out his whole name, it's like he's named after my whole family. I'm very much Scottish, almost entirely on my dad's side, so... It was just really kind of cool. That is cool. Yeah, I do feel like this book um, was wearing a lot of hats with the history and the romance and the mystery and the maybe fantasy. And also um, she took a few attempts at some humor in there, which were sort of unexpected. With the historical element, I did like all the uh, encyclopedic or like letter entries that were mixed into the book that kind of gave it what felt like roots in nonfiction. And I mean, it definitely has roots in nonfiction, but it made it more so or more valid to me, I guess, which I didn't see them until I actually got the book because I listened to it versus reading. But you still get that in the narration because there's a a different narrator that does those entries with like a, Mm. a deep male voice. I did look up Roman Fever and she basically made that up. But it was an interesting idea how they have the, um, sores just on their back. Yeah. Yeah, like they've been stabbed in the back. Like uh, the plague, but not quite yeah, the plague. Yeah. Huh. Because there was a real, like, there was, malaria was called Roman fever. So I was like, oh, it's supposed to be malaria. But then I looked up and I was like, there's, no, I don't remember sores on the back being part of malaria, and it's not. So basically, this is just a fantastical illness that she's invented for the purposes of the book. So why was malaria called Roman fever? Because it killed a lot of Romans. Oh, that's less entertaining yeah i'm looking for a quote because you asked about the romance and i really i really liked jack and hazel and there was there's a moment when they're talking that i was just like oh it's the line where he talks about how she should be told that she's beautiful like someone should tell her she's beautiful all the time yeah i remember that they should tell you every day yeah and i just I loved that line and that scene, and I just thought it was so sweet. I think when you're talking about the romance and the difference between Bernard and Jack is how Bernard is like, oh, you yeah, you want to be a doctor, sure, haha. And Jack thinks she's amazing, and he's, like, supporting her. And, like, the scene after she delivers a baby for the first time, and she's kind of freaking out, and he's like, you were amazing in there. The things you do, the things you're capable of, it's just, you're amazing. And and she's like, I was terrified. And he's like, but, yeah. And I just, I love how much Jack supports her and, like, how much he, like, that love of his shines through and how he, like, supports what she's doing. And I do kind of also think maybe part of the title, A Love Story, is referring to her love of being a doctor and her love of helping people. And that was kind of, I, I had a lot of thoughts after I finished this book. And I was like, well, because I was like, it says it's a love story. <laughs> well, 
The author actually does say it's both a love story between her and Jack and a love story between her and what she loves doing. I, 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 yes, I went there. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad I'm there with the yeah, author. Yeah, you could definitely, um, the author definitely conveyed Hazel's passion for medicine because she was never in doubt, really. Even when she tried to be, like when she tried to decide, oh, I'm not going to do this anymore. I think that lasted like five minutes. Like she just can't stop. She's so interested in it. And and she's good at it. Yeah. Tell us more about the author interview because I did not get that in the paper version. Well, another cool thing I learned about Jack's name too is that his name is a combination of two of the Bronte sisters, nom de plumes. They all had a uh, like a pseudonym, basically. Um, one was Ellis, one was Currer, and the other one was Acton, and they all three used the same last name, Bell. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So I thought that was kind of cool. So she's paying homage to the Bronte sisters. Well done. Oh, and then Edinburgh has the nickname of Aldriki. So the narrator really liked that the author talked about the, all the smells in Edinburgh so much. Oh, reeky like it reeks. That's not actually what it means because I oh. did look it up after this. But oh, well, I mean, never mind. I think now that's what it means. Oh, okay. But like in like Scottish Gaelic, it means old smoky. Oh, okay. Because back in the day, Edinburgh suffered from heavy smoke pollution. So I was like, this is interesting. Yeah. Learned all sorts of stuff. I yeah. mean, I always think it's great when a book inspires you to learn more about something. Yep. But now the city apparently still has unique smells uh, from all the breweries and whatnot. Like a lot of people say it smells like beef or hops or like whatever. Okay. So it, I, it, I just that. found that really interesting. I really liked how atmospheric this book felt. It. She did a great job with like really kind of describing what the city looked like and felt like and oh and there's a literal dungeon oh my god i laughed so hard at the dun- like the humor in this book is light there's not a ton of it but what there is is it was right up my alley i laughed and i think i my favorite part that made me laugh really hard was when jack comes and he's like well we, we i can't I don't have a body for you because my, my partner has disappeared. And she's like, well, what? what? And he's like, I, I can't do this by myself. I, I don't have a body. My partner has disappeared. And she's like, that's no problem. We're going to go big, dig up a body. And he's like, wait, what? what? <laughs> and I just love how she's like, come on. <laughs> so this was a Reese Witherspoon's YA book club pick. Do you agree with them choosing this as a pick? I thought it was an odd choice, but I don't know why I thought that. I don't really know what her criteria Me is. Either. Like, I don't know what I they do know. with that. No, Did, I don't are know. there? Do they have like a book club? Is this I'm just guessing? a book that Reese Witherspoon has read and liked? I mean, you can see the little <laughs> oh, symbol yes. on the cover. I know they put the symbol on the cover, and it drives me absolutely crazy. Why is that? Because I hate having extra stickers unless they are like. The Newberry Caldecotter prints, uh, those kind of stickers are fine, but I really hate the like Reese's Book Club or I, Oprah's Book Club. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, especially when they're not removable. Yes, because they don't go with the cover and it's, oh. Now you mentioned your read alike was the pirate girl. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's 
not called The Pirate Girl. I know. That's a completely separate book. Thank you very much. Sorry. Um, It's The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy by Mackenzie Lee. So that sounded like a read-alike. Catherine, did you have any read-alikes? I have a few. No, just kidding. No, I do have (laughs) a few. Uh, The first is The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein by Kirsten White. It's historical with a strong female protagonist, Elizabeth Lovenza. And is dark and twisty, and as I'm sure you've gathered from the title, features Frankenstein, well, a young Frankenstein, just learning and beginning his craft. The second is a book Sarah mentioned before in a previous episode, Hold Back the Tide, by Melinda Salisbury. It's a fantasy or kind of a horror with a historical vibe set around a lock in Scotland that the main character, Alva's family, has guarded for generations. Alva lives with her father that all believe killed her mother several years in the past, and she's just trying to survive and run away or escape the town, and almost everything is in place for this to happen, but then she encounters something inexplicable, and all her carefully laid out plans go out the window. I hate it when that happens. It's a bit monstrous. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just going to do, if you liked Cassandra Clare's historical series Infernal Devices or Last Hours, this might be a good one for you, too. Is that steampunky? Um, the first series is Infernal Devices. It's got a clockwork like element to yeah, it. Yeah, because I got like a there were no steampunk elements in anatomy, but I no. got a steampunk vibe from it, I have to say. I think maybe because steampunk is like set in that, that, time, that period. time period. Yeah, yeah I like didn't there's feel some s- industrial stuff. And Both some of those series are historical. They take place in London, like in the nineteenth and the beginning of the twentieth century. What about you, Sarah? Uh, I would suggest a book that I still haven't finished, but I'm enjoying so far called A Madness So Discreet, and it is by Mindy McGinnis, and it is about a girl in Boston, a young teen girl who um, gets pregnant and so ends up being sent to an asylum, because that's kind of what you do with women who you don't want to look at for whatever reason. So she's hiding there until her pregnancy is over, being hidden there, forced to stay there by her family. And she's got a lot of uh, baggage, let's say, and uh, secrets and things. And a doctor shows up at the asylum, and he is giving lobotomies. It's a new science, and he is doing that. And she thinks that maybe that sounds like a good idea because it would help her forget all the things that are weighing her down bad and depressing idea, her. Bad idea, bad <laughs> idea. Well, he ends up convincing her that that's not the best idea. And instead, she goes with him to a different asylum where he can uh, use her sharp mind, because she's pretty gifted, and help him solve some crimes and things. So that's where we are right now in this book. And it's good. It's dark again, though. And they do talk about some medical stuff, like you if you didn't like the descriptions of medical things in anatomy, you probably won't want to hear about them describing how they do lobotomies. Look, I could handle everything in anatomy. I cannot handle lobotomies because I know exactly how they did it, and I cannot do that. Look it up. It's gross. Oh, and interestingly, the author has a number one podcast as well that you might want to check out. It is fantastic. It is called Noble Blood, and I absolutely love it, and they're 30-minute episodes, so it's, like, super easy to listen to. And they're historical also. Mm-hmm. About medical history or just about all history? No, it's more about nobility oh. and the crazy stories that come out of that. Okay, then. So I guess now we're at the part of the episode where we'll assign the reading for the next episode. Yeah, what are we reading next time? We're doing another episode where we get to choose our own titles based Woo-hoo. on a topic. Woo-hoo. And 
This time, even though it's admittedly not my favorite to read, we'll each be choosing nonfiction titles to talk about. Oh. Now, y'all, nonfiction is good. Actually, yeah, that we'll see. I guess it can be, but it's just not for me. <laughs> it feels All nonfiction? Pretty much. I finally may get a book without orphans. <laughs> You could read about the orphan trains. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's also not what I really think about when I hear YA lit. I do not think nonfiction. Well, but we have nonfiction for teens. Okay. We will get into that next episode because nonfiction for teens is a whole issue. So this has been another episode of Spill It by the Gwinnett County Public Library. I'm Catherine. I'm Patty. And I'm Sarah. And we want you to join us next time as we share and discuss some informative and hopefully entertaining nonfiction titles. Remember to like, review, and subscribe. And until next time, keep reading. <laughs> <laughs>